0: Conway kind of like then, now, and tomorrow, I'm your host, Grant Gordy.
1: And I'm your co-host, Lori Case Melton. Both of our families have been around the area for at least five generations.
0: Whether you are a native or newcomer, local or transplant, we bring community-focused information you can enjoy.
1: We reminisce on our past as well as keep you in the know of what's happening now and what's up with the future. Grant and I are both with First Community Bank and excited to bring this podcast to you as well as our community-focused style of banking to Conway.
0: Welcome to Conway TNT. Today we're going to be talking about the history of the Conway Chamber. Excited to have two distinguished guests with us. Uh, And gentlemen, uh, y'all have a litany of, it's an alphabet soup uh, behind your names, Mr. Brad Lacey the president and CEO of not only the Conway Area Chamber of Commerce, but also the Conway Development Corporation. Welcome, Brad. Thank you. And Mr. Jamie Gates, the executive vice president, there again, of the Conway Area Chamber of Commerce and the Conway Development Corporation. Gentlemen, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you. Uh, Conway, what what led you to Conway? I I feel that's a little bit of a redundant statement for me, knowing you both, but all that being said, tell our listeners what brought you to Conway.
2: Well, I think our stories are the same in that we came here to go to college and never left and so you know there is a narrative in this town of thousands of us really over time Absolutely. who have who have ended up here um, thinking we were just passing through for four years and then we stick and so for me it was coming from Ida Arkansas which is outside of Heber Springs and you know now I'm 30 years later. Yeah so I actually um,
3: you know my Mother's family are Faulkner County people way back. And I uh, actually lived, we moved to Conway when I was 15, but I continued uh, matriculating from Atkins High School. And uh, so I kept, finished, uh, finished school at Atkins, driving Did you like and pickles?
1: Forth. Is that the deal?
3: Oh, f- of course. I, th- I think that <laughs> deal was intended as a pun there. If uh-huh. it's not, well played. Um, but then, you know, like Brad mentioned, uh, came to school at UCA. You know, didn't know that I had plans to even finish at UCA, but stayed, you know, and without the intention of, you know, working in Conway after, but stayed. And, you know,
0: so it's, like Brad says, it's a it's a sticky place. For sure, a great place to raise a family. And, and Conway's better for you guys having elected to make this place your home.
1: Okay, so today we're going to talk about the Chamber, really, uh, what its role is now, what it was in the beginning, because it was a totally different thing. Uh, So whichever one wants to jump in and kind of give us what it used to be or how it came to be.
2: So I'll start and then Jamie and I'll just kind of go back and forth. But um, we were created to um, really with the sole purpose of raising money to recruit Hendricks to Conway. So it was 1891. There was a gentleman named Captain W.W. Martin who wanted to see... Uh, Conway become a center of of higher education because if you go back to the late 1800s in a town like Conway, um, your only way of economic diversification really was higher ed because there was no manufacturing. We were a cotton town, a rail town. um, And so they were pretty smart in seeing that this was a way to to get more money into the community. So uh, they went after Hendricks, which at the time was in Altus, Arkansas. And in, I can't
1: even imagine that. I know, You know, right? I mean, Altus is such a small
2: town. Yeah. So it was in Altus. It was functioning. Um, Captain Martin decided that we needed to raise private money in order to get them here, and he did that by forming what he called the Conway Board of Trade, and that was a common early name for Chambers of Commerce across America. So we were the Conway Board of Trade, 1891. Uh, he used that organization to raise uh, $50,000 in 1891, which is a well, lot yeah. of money.
1: What the equivalent? I mean, I can't even it's, fathom what that number might we've be. We've done
2: the math before. Um, it's it's significant. But you you think about the community was very small. I mean, 1,500, 1,200 people. And so these farmers and merchants pooled together their money uh, in order to recruit Hendricks. And so they were successful in doing that. And Captain Martin served as the president of that organization for basically 17 years. And um, they and, were. And
1: what was his job again?
2: He was a retired military.
1: Okay, so, so Captain was military. Well, I don't know if
2: he was retired. I said retired. I think he was retired military. He had a military background. Um, and you know, after they did that for um, Hendricks, they did it again for Central College, which uh, at the time was a girls' school. Which is now CBC. CBC. And then they did it again in 1907 with Arkansas State Normal, which is now UCA. And in every, in every one of those situations, the private sector raised money through the chamber or the Board of Trade to help recruit those um, colleges. Now, the other thing that was kind of interesting that they did as we researched our history um, a few years back is there was a lot of evidence in the early days of of them literally getting on horseback and going into the surrounding counties in the River Valley in north central Arkansas and um, recruiting farmers to gin their cotton here because that was another form of economic development, de- development there. So, there are literally these stories of, of Parties of business people from Conway through the Board of Trade, getting on horseback, going up into the hills,
0: hostile, hostile territory. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: and convincing them to bring their cotton to Conway to 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 gin it. So, uh, you know, very progressive as Conway has always been, but just extremely progressive even in those very early days, in a days. time
1: where people didn't even know what being progressive meant. Right. And, and that's
0: a fairly tight window. You mentioned what, eighteen ninety one to the early nineteen hundreds to, to yep. effectively recruit and or start yep. three colleges here well, in was, a very small community. And we've
2: said this before. There is nothing that any of us can do probably in our lifetime that was more transformational than what they did back then. Right. Because it set the stage for everything that we're about today.
3: Well, and there's nothing you could have picked right. 110 years ago that would still be valuable. Right. Right. In 2020,
2: right. Even I mean, there's, great there's,
3: point. There's yeah. there's no there's no industry. I mean, I, it's really the the only option. I mean, it's
1: in it's, a changing it's, it's, world. It's education yes. has not. It's become changed. more valuable. Mm-hmm. And you
2: look at these other communities that hit sort of the industrial side quicker. So they might have been a timber town, or they might have been a textile town, and they were blowing and going until they weren't.
0: Right. One-trick pony, for like, right. so, so and, to speak. And
2: it was good while it lasted, and but, then it was done.
0: It's interesting when you look around the, the, and let's face it, we're a rural state, but when you, it's easy for me to say, right? I've never been able to say rural, rural. very well, but all that to say, uh, when you look a, around uh, Arkansas the communities that are thriving or at least hanging on, they all have a higher ed component to sure. them, mm-hmm. Magnolia, Monticella, yep. you know, et cetera, but, and for us to, have the good fortune as y'all alluded to to have three of those institutions. Higher learning here speaks to one of the one of the many reasons why we why we flourish as a community. Sure. Well there's
3: a lot of conversation right now um, that you know higher ed should be viewed as an export. Um, so it's an international export but then it's also a domestic export for colleges because you're if you view the value of that education as a commodity, people pay you for it. And so you know we had we have an export economy um, in education, um, and I don't know that we've ever really thought about it I, that way. I, I've never
0: heard it framed up that way, Jamie, but that that's very interesting.
1: Absolutely. So, um, so it was a volunteer organization, mm-hmm. and then how did it start to shift and, and how did it morph after the colleges are here, then and the and they've got the gin guys coming. I guess that yep. gin guys probably yep. not the proper term for yep. that. How about farmers? farmers? We're bringing their gin, uh, their, their crops gin. to the gin. <laughs> 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 that, we true. know what I got on my mind today. They're bringing it's their gin o'clock. to the cotton. That was it's the, the cotton somewhere. <laughs>
0: the,
1: right. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I'm sure there were some sigtal parties going on back then too. Um, <laughs> I can say that with a pike and two cigars in the room, right? So, yes, tell us the next Um, phase.
2: Well, I think what what they were very good at doing, and this is, again, pretty common in the chamber world nationally. There is a um, gentleman who wrote a book a few years ago called The Magicians of Main Street, and it's a history of chambers. And so if you look at chambers across the United States, they were responsible for a lot of the really transformational things that happened in cities across America because when you think about what it is, it is a, it, it's a gathering of business people who have a common goal. And so it, it, it brings sort of the best minds together to convene and figure out what, what to do. And so they use that in this volunteer capacity for probably 60 years. Um, And so as we dug into the past, we found things like in 1911, they formed an improvement district, which would be a voluntary tax on all the people that were a part of the district to build the city's first sewer system. So in 1911, they built a sewer system to uh, serve the city, which was a very modern convenience, as you can imagine. I mean, you're going from... Yeah, I
1: can't really imagine Conway without one. Right.
2: So, so they moved forward on that, and that was because of the chamber. You know, there were various campaigns through the early 1900s where they were raising private money to shore up the public school system because there wasn't enough uh, revenue coming in to guarantee that the schools would be open at specific times, and so the chamber would rally, raise money. Um, they called it the SOS campaign, the Save Our Schools campaign. Um, and so you just look throughout those first 50 years, and there were so many things that they rallied around to, to solve.
1: Let's go back to that sewer. Um, did that eventually become Conway Corp.?
2: So I don't know when all of that transitioned, but um, the the transition would have been from the improvement district to the city. So I think if you were to go back into like 1910, 1911, the city government was more probably figurehead where a mayor was just kind of the picture taker, handshake guy. I don't know that there was a lot of, I mean, wouldn't you say a lot of structure to city government in that
3: yeah, I mean so, and there's there's this kind of big meta story, and it, you know we bring it into that's the,
1: a big word, isn't it?
3: Um, and so, and it brings it into the modern day where you had this very kind of limited scope of government, and uh, the permanently invested business community banded together to kind of move the ball forward and to make Conway as good as it could, and then you know like things like the, they would take on these kind of extraordinary. Projects that were really beyond the abilities of a really small and barely funded city government, um, so that didn't have much legal authority, didn't have taxing authority, and all those things. And so it was really on you know the folks who were most invested in the future of a city, the business owners, to fill those roles and make those investments, and then maybe deed it over to city government to to maintain or enforce. But again, they had cities had not only. Um, they had little authority they only had the authority given to them by the state which is still the case um, and they didn't have the taxing authority then you kind of see um, cities get more taxing authority and more uh, regulatory authority and then the private sector starts to kind of pull back a little bit uh, and this is all over the country and you know the call that we made with some of the 125 or 125th anniversary projects was you know the business community, used to move the needle and do these extraordinary things to improve the city. And they kind of seeded that to the public sphere. And so we've kind of enacted this call back. And that's a a bigger story, but we do have these waves of who's going to move the city forward. Historically, the business sector. Then we kind of let government handle that for us. And I think we've spent a lot of time
0: recently kind of going back to that model. So essentially, trying to morph back to a public-private absolutely, yeah, partnership. Yeah. While y'all were talking, I was extrapolating some numbers. I'm back to that fifty thousand for a very small population. It says that, uh, or I figured, excuse me, Mm -hmm. with the help of Google, one point four million dollars. By by today's standards, with that small a population, I mean that's a that's a big ask. It speaks to the vision there. You know, the vision that uh, and the vision. And they
2: weren't. And they weren't wealthy. Right. I mean like this was not a wealthy place. This was no one were, in
1: Arkansas. Arkansas had no wealth.
2: Not back I mean, then. I mean, and and especially here, because mm-hmm. they were I mean, they were cotton farmers that, that that were not in the Delta. That were not in the Delta. <laughs> and it was a railroad town and they were merchants. And so they were just I mean it, it is remarkable to look back and think that they saw the benefit of that. And then I think another place that you see um I would say the three colleges were like the big number one this is this is when we did the really big thing but the number two really big thing was in the depression um, when we had no functioning bank in the city you were sitting here with two private schools and then a state school and Hendricks and Central were faced with closure because they didn't have enough money to, to, to continue and so You again. You read back into the minutes of the chamber and some of the reports that were in the um, log cabin, and there was this outcry from the business community of, "We have to save those schools. Like that is that is the most important thing." Which to me is pretty remarkable when you think about. There was no functioning bank. There was, um, I mean, poverty. I mean, there were people that didn't have enough to eat. But what?
1: Hold that thought for a minute. So. Let's take a moment to recognize our sponsor, First Community Bank, because we do have a thriving bank now. (laughs) And we are speaking of banks, Brad. Speaking of banks, (laughs) we're located at ten eighty nine front, so come see us because we put the community first. So go ahead and finish that thought.
2: So they um, they were sitting there trying to think of what to do. And again, you read these accounts in the newspaper and the chamber board decided to, to try to come up with some wild idea. And they had a couple of attorneys in the mix who they they had this kind of grand idea and they want they weren't sure if it was legal. So they did some they did some the attorneys did some work and couldn't find any reason that they couldn't do it. So they moved forward. (laughs)
1: That's the way I operate. I know, right? Well,
2: but listen, that is the difference between places that succeed and places that just don't. Don't. Or, right. Is like when you are looking for someone to give you permission to do something, you're going to wait forever. And this is one of those times when this city did not look for someone else to help them because they knew there was nobody else that could help them. And so at the time, the city had a uh, electric. Generation facility and it was operating in the black. And so this group of business people. Now that's a
0: good thing, right, Brad? Absolutely,
2: absolutely. It was operating in the black, had money. So this group of business people decided we will form a nonprofit organization called the Conway Corporation and we will ask the city to give us the assets of the electric company and because it was profitable we will go issue bonds and pledge future revenue from the electric company to pay those bonds off and with that money we will give it to Hendricks CBC or Central and UCA but they actually raised enough money that in addition to those three schools they gave it to the public school system and to St. Joe and saved the colleges in the midst of the Great Depression and so we come out of the Great Depression and we have this nonprofit that is managing the assets of the electric company, and then you move along with Conway Corp. And there's a great article I read where the city deeded the water and wastewater system to and the assets to the Conway Corp to manage. And it was literally like two guys and some shovels, oh,
1: besides, was, what, yeah. Was, yeah.
2: besides yeah. what was yeah. under yeah. the besides ground. The yeah. Okay. I mean, besides what was under the ground. Where's that other yeah. shovel? You know? Yeah. But I mean, it was like, here's these, here's these people and they go Inventory over. Inventory was easy. Right. Um, but you look at that again, they didn't ask for permission. They did something grandiose. And so today we have this, what we believe is a public utility, but but, but it's not. I mean, yeah. it, they're a nonprofit
0: economic development entity who also manages those assets. When you look at some of those bold strokes that people make uh, or organizations make, a lot of times they do it because it's necessary. Yep. I mean, and, and they're like you said, they're not asking for permission. They're effectively willing it to work in some respect because yep. it had to. Yep. For lack of a better term, can that's you think of
1: any other Arkansas city that no. come up with a progressive thought uh, like that? I mean,
3: well, are, well, no one's organized that way. I mean, that yeah. is that's unique to their origin story.
1: Well, it it is certainly the reason so many people, if they don't know it until they get here, well, another reason they don't leave. It's yeah. like how how wonderful, how economic it is. Besides uh, functioning you, so well,
2: and then you come out of the depression. And the chamber uh, recharters first national bank. Right. So the chamber was the mechanism to get the first bank going. They also sold stock to build the bachelor hotel mm-hmm. because they needed a hotel. So this, this, and
1: the bachelor sat where, where I believe the, is it the post office? City Hall now. City Hall. Oh, that's right. City Hall. That's right. You're correct. They've opened City Hall now. Yes.
2: So, you know, you, you see them repeatedly use the structure of the chamber. To do
0: the big things that the city needed done as a conduit for yep, yep, yep. progress. So, did they change
1: I, names? Were they still called the Conway Board of Trade? At
2: one point, they became the Conway Commercial Club, and then Ooh, that sounds. And then, yeah, and then uh, uh, they they changed to uh, the Conway Chamber of Commerce, and then ultimately Conway Area Chamber of Commerce somewhere along the way.
1: Okay, so what World War Two did that have any impact on? Um, the chamber.
2: Do you remember anything from that time period that was...
3: Not necessarily. I mean, I think there's these moments um, in the history of the, the city where, you know, Conway's really had kind of fairly linear growth uh, since World War II, but it's been these moments that have spiked it. And so you get kind of this, we participate in this Sunbelt manufacturing movement that a lot of the the South did where manufacturing jobs move from the Northeast and the Midwest down into the South and then so that's a spike that gets kinda of sustained and then we build the interstates and so that's a spike that's sustained and then the missile bases yep. and that's a spike that's sustained and then there's the Axiom story and then there's the Fayetteville shale and we just kinda of have had these um, positive fortunes that have happened in a row and then we've been a good place to take full advantage of those. I mean, you know, I think because the city was what it was, a lot of the kind of residue from those things stuck here. It was a good place to to go ahead and stay and be successful.
0: Well, and, and being centrally located has to play a a part in that, I well, mean, listen, right in the middle of the state. Well, and close to Little Rock. Sure, you know, I mean, bedroom. Um, what, the what? fact
3: that we can, um, you know, we're a lot larger, more vibrant, and different city um, than Russellville, and certainly not, nothing wrong with Russellville, but it's in large part because we're twice as close, you know, to uh-huh. the capital city and, and everything that that it has, and so um, no, location is a is a huge thing. The fact that we're on all cities in America that are located on I forty have outperformed the cities that aren't you know on on average um,
1: that's an interesting just, thing that you don't think about because
2: it's no. it's the it's main street for the country Nashville Knoxville Oklahoma City I mean you just right. keep you just right. keep right. going Atkins, west coast
0: yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: well i do have i have friends across the country and at some point they all will drive through conway and i get these random phone calls where they finally see the toad suck (laughs) sign usually is what will prompt a phone call and i get the woohoo or a picture or something
0: i had a t-shirt as a child having grown up here and it said where the heck is conway arkansas and on the back it said in between pickles gap and toad suck oh yeah Mm -hmm. and i if we ever wore that outside of the confines of Arkansas, you know, you can only imagine. I would the next thing it. they'd look for is yeah. tennis shoes. Yeah, you know, no, are I would, we wearing I would, shoes? I, would, I would wear it today. Absolutely. I I, well, we need to bring I, that, we need I, to bring that well, back. When I was in banking
1: school in the 90, early 90s, I would take Suck shirts uh, to uh, the first year I went, you know, I took it two or three, and the next year I had to take a bunch, and I sent them uh, to bankers across the country for years, and, uh, you know, they. Thought it was so funny, and then you would hear, uh, folks, oh, their they, their kid wore one to school, and you know they might yeah, come home, home and change, and, yeah. and and all of that. Um, so the chamber has always been this entity that worked well with the city, worked well with Conway Corp, and worked well, and and really. Everybody in Conway really works well together. And I think that's another thing Mm -hmm. that uh, with UCA is very connected. Uh, You know, our colleges could set out there as silos, but they they seem to really get involved. And we have almost uh, an entrepreneurial spirit no matter what job you have. You may not own the company, but you feel like you own the town. And so it is um, something that is... Very special here yes. that it is a special sauce that I think we have one um, thing
2: that I didn't say about sort of that That mid part of the, the last century that is important is guy Murphy um, You know that in the mid-1950s. Mr. Murphy moved here to be the paid at that point executive director Was of he the, the first paid guy? Um, I'm not sure, but I suspect he was um, that is, in my opinion, when the chamber became a thing that had a person who was associated with it. He's
3: definitely the first kind of modern chamber executive yeah. to hold that role and then held it for
2: decades—yeah, forty plus years—and right. you know,
3: he, very
1: iconic individual.
2: Well respected in the state. I mean, really helped get the CDC off the ground in 1959. That became the sister organization to the chamber and ran both of those. Um, you know, we look back at the things that he said and proposed, and he was a brilliant man. Probably more a little more meek than the two of us, <laughs> less pushy. But well, he was and he was brilliant. You,
1: yeah, for those of you listening, Guy Murphy is the father of some uh, folks in town you may know. Yeah. Um, uh, Guy Murphy uh, Jr., who is an attorney. Um, and then you have Mike Murphy, who is a judge. A judge. He's what is his actual title? He's, um court of, yeah yeah. Right. We'll just You're say right. that the honorable, the
3: honorable,
1: <laughs> the honorable Mike Murphy. Uh, and and all of these guys would really laugh about this. Um, uh, then Jim Murphy, that is a banker, and then the most. Uh, you know, Pat Murphy, uh, a very dear friend of mine that passed away recently, who was extremely well thought of. Uh, there's the daughter Maureen, uh, that lives in uh, Texas, but those four guys stayed here, and and Mr. Murphy, they they were very much like him, where they're very all thought, you know, very smart guys, uh, the kindest yep. uh, uh, people you've ever met, and um. You know, just could, big thinkers, we'll say yep. big thinkers. Yep. So uh, he was, you said 40, 40-something 40 years? 40, I mean, because when I became a business person, certainly he was here. And um, It was I, like
2: 1955 or 56, and then he held the both titles starting in 1959, transitioned from the chamber in 1990 to solely the CDC, um Executive director until 2000, when he passed away.
1: So he was still. Or
0: 99. He passed okay. away at 99.
1: Wow, I yep. didn't realize he. So he never retired.
0: Are you looking to supplant his tenure, Brad? I mean, uh, you're working on it. I, I I I would I
2: would be okay doing 40 41 years.
1: All I'll right, finish. he's City. gone down he's new high he bar. actually put it in words that we have recorded. Setting a
2: new high bar, <laughs> yeah, for 10 years. Because we
0: we're not going
1: to let you go either.
0: T- or 40, I'd be okay with 40. T- tell people, guys, if you would, briefly about the relationship between the, Com- the, 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 the Area Chamber of Commerce and the CDC. Yeah,
3: so, you know, we're not completely unlike um, other successful economic development organizations. We see this model... Um, in the places where it works well they're similarly organized where you have a chamber of commerce which most people are familiar with the concept. It's a lot like what was started from day one. I mean a league of kind of uh, affiliated business interests primarily local who will take up issues short term and long um, that just generally grow the economy. Um, In the 50s, because of some enabling legislation at the state level and because of what was going on with regard to manufacturers moving from around the country to this Sun Belt in the south, you saw a lot of places develop um, development corporations. And so we have the Conway Development Corporation and that is chartered really for the purpose of attracting and expanding um, industry and business uh, in the Conway area. And so more real estate oriented. Uh, We navigate the incentives uh, locally and that are offered at the state level. And so um, much more deal oriented, not necessarily um, always outside employers. I mean, more frequently we work with existing employers on real estate, incentive, workforce needs, all those. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, two sides to one coin. And the places, you know, our peers in the industry, uh, the chambers that don't do economic development almost have to kind of conjure up relevance. Um, They're and, almost
1: like party planners, well, right? Yeah,
3: it's just, I, I don't... I've it, seen
1: that in other towns where they, they were event. That's party right. was not probably the kindest word i should have said there they were event planners right
3: and then you also have uh folks who just do uh economic development and have no kind of community and small business and local business uh affiliation and those folks always just kind of come off one i don't know how they stay busy um just because of deal flow and then they always seem a little um really just disconnected from why is this deal important? What makes this a good deal for the community? Um, they're dealing in a vacuum uh, and, and, and don't see the whole picture. The places who have both, like here and many others, are the places where it works the best. Yep.
0: Yeah, They work in concert with one yep. of so, Well, and,
2: yeah. and we want to, you know, the, the thing that is sometimes hard is, in our opinion, and I think our boards would say this, the most important thing we can do is create what we would call primary jobs in the market. So if we didn't have the axioms of the world here, commerce would be a lot more difficult sure. to take place. If, if we were just a group of small businesses in this city, and that's all we had, there is only so much interaction. There's only so many times money gets passed around. When you have an axiom where that payroll is $100 million plus a year, and all of that money is coming in from the outside, I mean, it's they, don't, they may have one customer in Arkansas. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So here's all this money coming in. Well, suddenly now this money is here and they're, you know, getting loans for cars and houses and they're right. buying clothes and they're going out and they're eating. And so the most important thing we can do is recruit those primary jobs into the market because you don't really have an economy if you don't have that.
1: Right. And, you know, you see that with other towns that have some proximity to Little Rock that's different than Conway. We are not a bedroom community while at different times we've been more so of one than others but never completely for sure. I mean, we we can stand on our own.
2: And that was again a decision that they made in 1959 with the CDC formation you know, they went out in 1961 and uh, purchased what was ultimately 300 acres for our first industrial park. And not only did they buy the land, but they borrowed money to put the infrastructure in. They hired a consultant out of dallas called forest and cotton which i think is a great name to do the master plan so it became the first real master planned industrial park that even had protective covenants in the state of arkansas so what we got 40 right so like what we say is there were a lot every every small town in arkansas had a field with a sign in it that said industrial park right that is not an industrial park I mean, ours had had streets, water, sewer, electricity, protective covenants, and it was controlled by this organization. And why don't you tell the story about Mr. O'Kelly? Yeah, you you have
3: to tell this story because it gets down to individuals. You know, there's a lot of talk about community, and that's important. But there are moments when individuals have to do the right thing, and and, and they pivot the future of a place. So the Conway Development Corp, exists so newly formed they're making strategic decisions about where to put uh, an industrial park and they're doing this ahead of they know the interstate's coming through but it's this big project national in scope and we're and we're ready to get moving and it could have gone along Donaghy that was one of the yeah. right one of the
2: locations was
3: Donaghy we did not know the specific location so they're looking at um they're looking at property to put the industrial park, they know rail is a component of that, and the rail's obviously already in place. So they consider um, a site. If you know where, so if you've ever wondered why uh, the former SAS, the San Antonio Shoe Company on mm-hmm. Hairston mm-hmm. and the Conway Public Schools the bus garage, the shoe factory we, is
1: is basically how it was referred to right. for
3: so, so we have decades. In, yeah.
1: The shoe factory. We have where this industrial a lot of females yeah. worked.
3: So we have industrial uses over there, kind of in the middle of town. Um, there was thinking that that's where the industrial park should be, and we're kind rail of that goes that way. Right. Th- that's right. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. O'Kelly.
1: Because I lived right close yeah. to it in college, and believe me, I know the rail. The, the <laughs> it went right behind my <laughs> door. Uh,
3: Mr. O'Kelly has a concrete plant. Felton, yes, and so he gets an order one day to make. Uh, concrete markers large survey markers that will be placed into the middle of nowhere and it's from an engineering firm in New Jersey and they reach out and say look these are these are behemoths it's a large order there's a lot of these what would it take for us uh, to contract out the can y'all just deliver them we'll send you the where we want them dropped off we don't we don't want do y'all even do that he says yes we'll do it so he gets the advance set of plans showing the center line for i now he is already a very successful business person at this point in his life and has maybe more than anyone at that time in conway the means to capitalize on the most important piece of information anyone could have and he immediately goes to the cdc board and says guys I know exactly where the industrial uh, park needs to be because I have the center line and we should buy all of the, you know, this good property to um, put the, locate the industrial park because it's going to benefit the community for generations. I've
1: never heard that story. That's an unbelievable story. Wow. Because
2: in a lot of communities, that same person would have bought it for themselves. That's right. Absolutely. And it would have done nothing. In this community. That's right. The wrong person <laughs> would have bought it for
1: themselves. Well, right. I would say right. nine out of ten people would have done would have done the personal benefit side of that instead. But um, but but, but, JF, but uh, Mr. O'Kelly was but where that
2: for, you know where that thinking goes awry versus what Mr. O'Kelly did, because they invested that way, they all made money.
1: Exactly. Everyone ultimately. The, the both, he brought everybody to the party. Both
2: banks made money there were two banks then you know they they made money mr Navholtz made money because he was just creating a construction company so
1: every merchant in town right made so money. by
2: doing the right thing he still made money the rising tide lifted right. all boats but but yeah. you look at so many communities out there where there was one guy that ran the show and it was all about what he could do for himself, and most of them never did well.
1: And Conway's never been about that one guy. That's and, right. And, and if you look back in the history, so certainly um, Mr. O'Kelly was impactful. Uh, tell us about some of the other leaders that have been a part of, of either one of the organizations over the years.
2: Um, so, you know, I guess the ones that, that we would say are closest to us that we know, obviously Bill Hegeman. Um, there's probably nobody more associated with the organization than him. Uh, for those of you that don't know him, he was the former CEO of Colin Corp. Um, kind of one of the quiet, unsung heroes is Bill Atkinson. He's been on the board forever, done a lot of work, and just is kind of a quiet guy, but an attorney that has done a lot. Um, and then... It's just kind of a who's who of the business community from 1959. Uh, A lot of bankers in there. A lot of bankers. A lot
1: of... uh,
2: Tom Wilson. Yeah. I mean... Yes. You know, Mr. Wilson and then Cletty Harper was the other banker. Right. So back
1: then there were two banks, First National Bank, which is now Regions, and First State Bank, which is now Bank of America. Yep. Uh, And now there's a lot more banks. And so if you're looking for a true community (laughs) bank, come see us at 1089 Front Street and be looking for announcement of a larger permanent facility soon. Nice. Hey, I'm getting better at working that in. Yeah, that was <laughs> I think it's a now, smooth move.
3: I, I do think there's two there's two things that that go on, you know, with the chamber when you talk about leadership. And so I'll talk – you have this model where – so Conway, I think because of the colleges and because of, you know, honestly, um, not just Axiom, but they're a great illustration, but we've added new companies. And so we've always been very comfortable to adding, adding new people. Um, it really is – it's – A lot of places are friendly and welcoming, but I do think that there's a seat at the table uh, for people who didn't necessarily grow up here. I mean, Brad and I can kind of prove that out for ourselves. Um, We've had a lot of leadership at the chamber who were not Conway natives, who got here relatively soon and then made a big impact. I mean, Scott Morrissey he was here for a second, but really brought the two organizations back together and helped us reorganize. So we have that dynamic present, which is is really fun. Um, but then I'm thinking about the Smiths and, and mm. Brad, we got a really, really a nationally significant story in the Smith family from Smith Ford.
2: Yep. so Kate, um, catch aside McConnell is on our board And in two years, she will assume the chairman's role. And at that point in time, she will be the fourth generation of her family to serve as chair of our board. And so we're not sure how many places in America have an organization that's old enough to be able to say that. But then where you have this family with the Smiths who have had this business that's been here forever and they've been engaged from day one. And so, you know, we are thrilled about that. We're going to be thrilled to tell that story when she assumes the leadership role. And that's just, again, part of that secret sauce of Conway is it's the balance mm-hmm. of the, the, the people that have been here forever are never, they never seem to be intimidated by the new person
1: Absolutely. that
2: comes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think about Shelly Mel,
1: mm-hmm.
2: who's a city council person came from Chicago. Still and, and
1: talks like she came from Chicago. That's right. Chicago, <laughs> that's right. But, but we don't care. We're working
2: but, on her. Yeah. But. <laughs> But I mean Probably what, maybe
1: a little slower.
2: <laughs> what a great leader she's been. Right. But in a lot of southern towns, that would have never occurred.
3: Yeah, I, I would I I would never want to work somewhere or I would never want to live or try to do our job in a place that didn't welcome um, didn't welcome the opportunity for talented people to show up and immediately contribute at the highest levels. But I also fresh don't, ideas are yeah. important. But I also don't want to live somewhere where no one has that committed generational sense of investment to your place because you need them both at different times you need a sense of history and then you need a a willingness to take on the new and best ideas it's a from good the combination
1: country. i believe the ferris family is also have uh, yep. they also have three generations i believe that have been that's right um so uh so a few years ago you the chamber celebrated the 125th anniversary and you guys had a luncheon that uh, where you invited all the past board chairs. Of course not all 150 made it since uh, or 125 made it. Uh, however, I was fortunate enough to be there. I was chairman of the board in t- uh, 2012 and it was a rem- I got to hear the actual story and still today I'm hearing stuff I've never heard before. but um, I-, I know y'all had some folks show up from families. Mm-hmm. Um, that had moved away, and the thing—just tell us some cool stories that you developed from that.
2: Well, I believe it was a cousin or a great nephew or something of of Captain Martin. There was a family member representing from Captain. the
1: original guy. For, yeah, from
2: 1891. So there was a there was a family member that we tracked down somehow, uh, and and they showed up to represent him, and so we did have a lot of, of people representing the family member that served in that capacity um, and then just hearing stories from people about what their year as chair meant to them um, you know we um, it took a long time to have the first female chair it took a lot longer to have the first african-american chair Right. and so we are by no means perfect but i think that we um are doing better at that kind of broad representation of the community and and it's not about having one and done it's about being sure that we're growing leadership throughout the community that represents the community Um, and and I know that we take that seriously and so does the board Um, but that was just a kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to pull those people together and and tell that story.
1: Well, it was a wonderful event, and um, my husband is not from here originally, and he went with me to the luncheon, and and he marveled at Conway and its leadership, and once you hear the story and to understand how it came to be, it didn't just poof and happen. Uh, You guys are award-winning, Tell us about um, your award or awards, but specifically the one I believe was it 2013? Two thir- 14? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I figured, see, it was right after I was chairman, <laughs> then you win the national award. So it really I, reflected
0: yeah. the previous year. Yeah, ca- ca- cause and effect. It cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So we have a professional organization uh, which is called the Association of Chamber of Commerce. Um, executives and um, they do a national award called Chamber of the Year where you um, are invited to participate if you hit certain metrics in the year Uh, and then you compete against other chambers that are your size and they invite a top three or four to the annual conference to further compete and so in 2013 we won Um, and it was uh, it was great. It was great. Um, I like to win.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> of course. I
2: like to win. I think my general likes to win. Yeah, I like to win. Um, I don't like to lose. But um, I, we've I, lost before too. We've lost before too. So I guess in 2018 we were runner up. So that was less exciting, but still, I mean, you make it up into the finals. Um, Well,
1: you can't win all the time. You know, people that select, they're like,
2: yeah, exactly. Why Uh, Why not? But I, I tell you, for me personally, the thing that meant a lot to me that night when we won was to see how much it meant to everybody on our team. Like, it, it really meant a lot to everyone that was there. And the board was, was generous enough to allow everyone to go and get to be there that evening. And so, um, you know, from the person that answers the phone to the people that type the minutes for the meetings to the people that do the events. Um, it it all. It all makes a difference. It all makes a difference, and it meant a lot to them. And so I think we were proud to bring that home to Conway because we think that, um, you know this about us, we think that benchmarking is the most important thing we can do as a community where we compare ourselves to the best communities in America. And that means that we should be, among the best chambers in America, it means that our public school system should be among the best public school mm-hmm. systems in America. And so we hope that we model that behavior by putting ourselves out there to be judged um, because we think the community deserves that.
1: Well, okay, so we'll start to start to do a wrap-up. So two final questions that I have. One, I want you to briefly tell actually what all functions you provide for the city of Conway that the, that the chamber does so everybody's clear on okay, here's what we do and then how you see it evolving in the future.
3: So I do think something important you know maybe it should have come at the beginning but you know we're a we're a private nonprofit and so um, we don't have um, we we go out and, and raise our own money. the CDC that frequently you know I said we're very deal oriented. Good real estate or profitable real estate deals um, allow us to do less profitable real estate deals when we have to in order to, um, and I'm saying less profitable very generously, sometimes we have to take a loss. To get the to get the jobs, but that's our mission. Uh, we have a bottom line. It's just not purely financial. Um, on the chamber, you know, we have dues and we have sponsorships, and then we have some contract revenue, and so that's how we're funded. So we we are private, but we have a mission, and you know, our job. You know we think um i would say if you had to sum it up in a word it's it's kind of leadership but we have some kind of confined arenas um education is what we were founded you know on um so that's still if if we if we're an industry town it's the education industry and you know the knowledge based economy that we have is really a symptom of um Advocacy. You know, we don't um, have a, a lobbyist. The city doesn't have to go out and advocate for some of these things. So, so that's us. So we lead the trip to DC, and we work with the highway department, and we try to generate infrastructure because that is economic development um, in another form, just exactly. outside dollars. Um,
1: if it's a great place to live, then the. People come, then the jobs come, and yeah. so forth.
3: Well, and just and just real dollars from the state or federal government to build things. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be the airport, that could be Southern Interchange, those things. And then um, strategic planning and, and visioning. Um, we think it works best, and this is a benchmarked practice that we took from someone uh, else and refined, but... Coming together privately to deliberately talk about where we want to be, you know, ten or fifteen years down the road, uh, and then you know, so those are the those are the big things that we do. We have some some kind of task-oriented functions. The the Commission and Visitors Bureau is staffed via contract by uh, some of our staff. Rachel Shaw leads that effort. The Conway Downtown Partnership is under our roof. Uh, that's director is Kim Williams, but she's kind of under our organizational umbrella. We have a for profit publications business. Um so and and then we also throw the state's largest festival um in our spare
0: time. Oh yeah. And then there's and then there's Toadsuck like days. Uh-huh. And and
2: so I think the other thing is because of the diversity of revenue streams and because of the generosity of really our investors, we've been able to grow a very competent, large staff. I mean we have eighteen people and the the beauty of that is your ability to pivot when you need to. So during Toadsuok days, here's here's a staff of eighteen that become festival, a festival staff. There have been times on economic development projects that they're so involved that half of the staff pivots over to sort of the CDC role. Um, something that is equally important is, you know, the last two sales tax elections that for the city, that staff of eighteen or nineteen pivots to become full time working on that to get revenue to pave our streets or build new ones.
1: Exactly, I I recall uh, the last uh, election on that. Um, You literally opened up the chamber and you invited folks to come in and make calls. And I walked in and it was the most dynamic folks and Conway were there. They they came because you asked, but you organized that, and that's and something the important. city
2: the city can't do. Exactly. like, legally, I, I think like they yeah, can't.
3: morally shouldn't, and legally can't. You know, and so and so right.
2: again, we're filling that role that we filled in 1911 by building the sewer system. It's just different. So now we're convening that business community to say, "Hey, Grant and Lori, we need you down here between." Five and seven, and we need you to bring your cell phone. And here's a list of people that haven't voted. And right, you need and to you're going to get to
1: set them. You're going to sit next to Charlie Nabholz and Woody Cummins and Eddie Glover and these city leaders.
3: But you ought to do it anyway.
1: Exactly, yeah. you should. But you you make it that way, yeah. and and I mean, what I meant by that is you know I just meant even import- if you have to
3: sit by those guys. Oh, I get <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah exactly. it's fine.
1: <laughs> But you know how it, uh, how that the spirit of this town uh, comes out when, I mean, they step up just like they did for the sewer system, just like they right. did for Hendricks and Conway right. at, uh, schools. And, and I think everyday. I think there's
3: one last function. You know, now you know media is different. There's social media. There's traditional media. There's so traditional media having to you know shrink and pivot and all those things. We maintain one of the largest um, brands in the city with our Facebook and our social media. We have 11,000 people uh, following our Facebook. And so we're a place for um, conversation that needs to take place. And that's been uh, just this year. Um, You know, we have a pandemic that we need to have thoughtful conversation about. We have racial tension that we need to have thoughtful conversation about. Um, And so we use that big platform um, to to lead and to maybe get <clears throat> get out in front of where the community would be on its own without some centralized voice. I
0: I thank our forefathers for making Conway an attractive enough place to uh, give the two of you incentive to come to school here and then ultimately stay here. There's no doubt with y'all's leadership, y'all are going to continue to make Conway a place attractive not only to future graduates and undergraduates but also business owners and, and leaders. Today's been extremely interesting and informative. I'm a guy that was born and raised here and didn't know a fraction of the things y'all told me embarrassingly, but I appreciate y'all taking the time to come in and educate not only me, but our listeners about the forms and functions, not only of the area, Conway Area Chamber of Commerce, but the Conway Development Corporation and the way they interact together. Uh, I want to thank the listeners for listening to Conway TNT. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. i drop by 1089 Front Street and see us here at First Community Bank. I'm Grant Gordy.
1: And I'm Lori Case-Melton. And we cared about Conway then. We care about Conway now.
0: And we'll certainly care about Conway tomorrow. Take care.